I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, peeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they crowd. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue. Commission as a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 34 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella, at Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter. And again, another great co- uh, guest co-host this week uh, was was just a guest on the last episode, Bill at Bill uh, at Super Lex, Bill, Bill, Bill McCarthy. Thanks for coming on, Bill. How you doing? Oh, doing good. Uh, thanks for having me, Rock. I uh, always enjoy doing these shows with you, and uh, excited to get this rolling. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, we're, we made it through the, the fantasy regular season. I wasn't sure we'd get here. Got playoffs coming up this week. Uh, I got I got, got a handful of buys, got a bunch of playoff teams, so I'm looking forward to this week. And uh, it's been an interesting week for me. I was on Superflex, Super, you know, your, your show, other show. Of your many shows, uh, super like super show last night with with uh, Hogan and Brian Har. That was a good time. Everybody, give a listen to that. And um, we also though have another great guest on here, uh, Matt Price of uh, Too Many Things to List. That I'll let him list at the end of the show. <laughs> but Matt, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Excited to be here and talking with you guys. Always always like talking football. So excited to to get into it. Okay, um, so we'll get right into it then with our fantasy face-off. Fantasy face-off! And I mentioned to the guys before the show, this is kind of an interestingly timed one, um, because the question we threw out there was this week was, who would you rather acquire if rebuilding, Cam Akers or Jerry Judy? And uh, as of this recording, which is during Thursday Night Football, Akers has about 130 yards at the half, so (laughs) I don't know if that changes anybody's mind, but it's a... 837 votes on the poll on Twitter, and it came out virtually dead even, 51-49 in favor of Akers. I, I had this whole reasoned response about how, how Judy's the receiver is probably the better way to go in a rebuild and all that. Um, and, and now this game has me rethinking that, which is probably not good process. But, <laughs> but Matt, what do you think about this? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it depends on you know how long the rebuild is. If you're in like a full on rebuild, like two to three years, then I think you definitely want to go with the receiver. But you know, if you're ready to compete in a year, I think Acres is fine there. So like in a vacuum, I would I would probably lean towards Acres just because of the running back premium. And Acres was a guy that uh, I was I think I, I don't know I think I was higher on the most in the pre draft process. I think most people had him around five, and I had him in the three to four range around the uh, and around those rookies. Um, so I love Acres, uh, but if it's a full on rebuild, then I think you have to go the wide receiver route just because uh it, you know they just hold their value so much longer so if you're rebuilding you got to try to pivot from the running back position to wide receiver just to just to keep your roster value high enough uh for when you finally get there you know 
Yeah, and that that makes a lot of sense. Like I said, that's kind of where I was going with it. Uh, I'm with you though too. I was I was also I think higher on Acres. I I had it uh, uh Taylor uh, at, uh yeah Taylor Dobbins and then I had kind of Swift and, and Acres together, and Swift's kind of catapulted him in value. But now we're starting to see him come on. So so what do you think, Bill? Uh, are you sticking with the receiver? Is uh, this last ha- last handful of games changing your mind any now that we're finally seeing Acres emerge? No, I think I'm I'm sticking with uh, Judy. I just think, I mean, I had them two very close in the rookie drafts. Um, you know, it was just one of those things where, kind of like what Matt said, depends on where my team was, um, whether I was going to grab the running back or the wide receiver. But if I'm in any sort of rebuild, like I still trust Judy to become a, a good wide receiver. I mean, he's th- that team's just had so many things that have not been like ideal for a rookie to just kind of jump in and kind of be that he's almost the go-to wide receiver, but like he's a rookie, you know, so there's, he just has that disadvantage where Cortland Sutton's not there, you know, Locke was hurt for a bit, just a lot of things that were working against him. So I'm still, you know, he, he's actually not a bad answer to one of the questions later in the, uh, in the, our conversation, but um, yeah, but Akers is looking pretty incredible tonight, just in the, the little bit I watched. So, yeah, recency bias, severe recency bias. You know, you're always <laughs> going to question yourself a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, using logic and just using my typical, you know, way I'm going to build, um, I'm going to go with the, the wide receiver. Yeah, and then the recency bias factor does always, especially when we do these polls on Twitter, and there was already some recency bias when we polled it because Akers had a pretty decent game last week. Right. So I think if I polled it this week, it'd be even bigger than 51-49 unless Judy goes off on Sunday. Um, but but to your point about Judy, I mean, what what do you are you worried at all that he hasn't shown out as much as some of these guys? Are you just attributing that to, to Drew Locke or, or the lack of Cortland Sutton there on the other side? Or Well, I'm not – I wouldn't say I'm worried. I mean, he is he is probably a little further back compared to most of these rookie wide receivers, but like all of that is illogical to me. All these rookie wide receivers blowing up like this just doesn't make any sense to me because and his season with no off season. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and and so that doesn't really concern me, you know, if if I'm comparing him to the other guys, yeah, of course, but like just in traditional thought, you know, I I'm still comfortable with a rookie struggling a little bit as long as he shows some you know spurts and some you know flashes of you know contributing and looking like a, a true pro I mean he's had he's struggled with drops a fair bit this year from what I've seen and you know that's just a concentration thing I mean he could be looking a lot better if he didn't have as many drops as he has already so no it doesn't really worry me too much um you know we all get we all we're always battling the 2014 wide receiver rookie class, and it's looking like this is kind of becoming that also, yeah. where we always get spoiled about those rookies that blow up immediately, and that's just not something that you can expect. You know, he's he's still one of the best route runners in the entire league, not just among rookies. I mean, he's I think he's clearly the best route runner among the rookies. Uh, Jefferson obviously has come on and has looked much better in that part of the game than than I thought he would coming out. Uh, but Judy, I th- you can't deny it. He can. Any, anybody that can get open by themselves is going to be an asset in the NFL and in Dynasty. It's just that that whole offense is such a S show. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to turn on here. A cluster. Uh, it's, it, it's fine. Like, we don't care. And, and, yeah. and Sh- I mean, Shermer has the most uncreative offense in the entire world. 
and he's trying to fit a, a gunslinging quarterback into a, a, a you know a, a, a get get ten yards on three plays kind of offense. You know, like like on a on a good day, like if his if his offense if Shermer's offense is operating at like peak capacity, he's like a middle of the road offense. You know what I mean? Like in terms of uh, you know uh, yardage and, and production and things like that. So I, I think he's in a bad situation there. I think we're going to get maybe maybe not Fangio, maybe he it, it may, maybe may stick around, but I think they're going to do something with that offense. Uh, and honestly, Fangio, I think he should go back to being a de- defensive coordinator. That's 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 where he's good. Uh, we've seen him be good at that. I just I just don't see him as a long term uh, solution at head coach. So they're going to fix it at some point. I don't know if it's going to be next year, uh, but you know Judy for the long haul. You know that third year breakout. It, once he gets sudden on the other side from taking uh, more uh, coverage away from him and things like that, I think he'll be fine. And uh, just. Since we're talking about the Denver offense, uh, not necessarily, you know, pertains to this face-off other than talking about Judy. But I was just curious, as I heard you both talking, do you guys think Locke is the starter next year? Phil's <laughs> laughing because Phil, Phil is not a Locke fan, but I'll, I, I, I'll let Mac go first. <laughs> I can't stand Locke. I don't know. I, I, I He's... I think he's going to be there. He's going to be competing. He may be like a bridge quarterback, which is a weird term to use. Usually we'd say that for the older like veterans, like, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick and, you know, these other guys of that ilk. But uh, it almost feels like that's it. He's not, I don't think he's the answer. I think he's going to get a little bit of a shot just because I think Elway, Elway really likes him. But uh, I mean, what if Cousins ends up there next year and that 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 offense looks a lot better? I don't know if they're going to have necessarily a high enough pick to go in and get another rookie at this point, but he doesn't have first round capital, draft capital behind him. Uh, if they do bring in another coach, then he's not going to be their guy. So I, I just don't think he's the answer. And I, I've gotten so many offers in my inbox over the last couple of weeks of someone trying to tell me Locke, and I don't really care what the price is. Uh, I, I don't really. I, don't, I just I'm just not interested at all. Uh, the 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 one like saving grace, I guess, if you can call it that is that he doesn't care like the Denver quarterbacks whether it's him or uh, you know going back to Jay Cutler they just don't care they're just going to chuck it deep right (laughs) but they don't really have the the healthy receivers to do that right now you know Hamler would be nice if he could uh, uh, make the leap into the NFL and his talent would translate but that hasn't happened uh, you know at least to the degree where it needs to yet so they don't have the 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 weapons to take advantage of that and that, that goes against the entire offensive scheme so you have the head coach or excuse me the offensive coordinator wanting to do one thing the quarterback's strengths going another way it's just like trying to fit him uh, into a, a hole that he doesn't fit into you know so maybe with a different offensive coordinator somebody uh, is better at developing quarterbacks he might uh, be successful but I don't see that with Denver yeah I, I like that with the Denver court I'm waiting for the uh, the meme with Drew Locke with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth now so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I'm smoking. Sure you, uh, yeah <laughs> yeah like smoking Drew Locke. smoking Drew um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're right are you right there with them he's, he's going to be there but but not the long-term future yeah, I just think it's going to go two ways, right? They're going to either sign a a for sure quarterback that's the starter. So whether maybe Stafford or somebody like that goes, you know, if Stafford leaves the Lions or or Wentz or just anybody, it's going to be the guy who's obviously in front of them. Or they're still going to sign somebody like a Fitzpatrick or you know, kind of like a Trubisky Foles thing this year, you know, where you don't know how long his leash is. And, and that's the issue. Like, if he struggles the first three games or, you know, or the new offensive coordinator comes in, if there was the case or whatever, which I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen next year, but if it were, 
you know, they might like a a quarterback that fits their system better, you know, and so it's going to be a real short leash for the young guy, and then they bring in the veteran to take over. And, yeah, I mean, he's kind of had a – like, I'm not a fan of him. I don't feel like he's a good quarterback. Like, I feel like he's just very inaccurate, and I I don't think you can be a highly successful quarterback in the NFL being that unless you're a great rushing quarterback as well. So, like – but I just don't think he's got the skills to to be a long term starter in the league. Um, he's fun, but that's about it. It's too bad. It's too bad they that Chad Kelly turned into a giant knucklehead because I think <laughs> yeah. he's he's better than Drew Locke and better than a lot of quarterbacks that are starting or at least backups right now. But uh, that house party or whatever it was, man, just ruined. His oh career. yes, <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. I still have him on a roster <laughs> or two, just holding out hope. <laughs> Yeah, I I had some, I don't I don't have any more. I think I think I might still have Andrew Luck on a couple rosters, but no Chad yeah. Kelly. Um, I just added him in the league. <laughs> uh, but just to tie this up, I, I I'm I'm agreeing with you on on the the main topic of these two guys. Uh, Acres is uh, making me think a little bit differently here, but I would definitely go with the receiver if I'm going to rebuild it, unless. Unless there's a significant difference between the running back and the receiver, I think you got to go the receiver in a rebuild. Um, and, and I don't think that's happened yet, despite this game. That there's still still enough, uh, you know, talent there in both of them, and enough question marks with with the, you know Acres usage, even though it's increased the last few weeks. So uh, I, I would definitely go with Judy over Acres in this scenario. Also, side note, real quick, have you guys been in a year where it seems like? At some point, there's been a different rookie running back that's like the top running back in no, the it's year. Every week. Yeah, <laughs> like it seems like week. all five of them at some point have been like the top rookie running back. It's just crazy. Well, after the first, yeah, after that first game of the season, it was Ceh all over the place, and then Swift had it, and yeah, yeah. There's just so many of them, you know. Like we don't have too, so many years where we have four or five guys like this and then you add and the, you know Gibson and you add yeah. James Robinson yeah. you know we just don't yeah the there's seven guys of, really yeah last, last time I can think of really is like was it 2017 with Fournette and Mixon and, and McCaffrey when he came out like that but but at that but that, 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 that didn't really and Cook too of course that didn't happen really that year like we had a uh a, a guy, we had the guys we felt good about and they kind of stayed up there whereas this year it's just just kind of all over the place yeah yeah agreed um, yeah, so it's definitely been kind of a crazy, it's been a kind of crazy season overall, but yeah, in regards to that as well, with these rookies, like you said, with the running back switching and receivers going off with no off season, it's, it's kind of nuts, but, uh, we'll move on now to our commissioner corner commissioner corner, uh, definitely had to do one this week when, when we have anybody on that's uh, at least somewhat known for their, their commissioning, uh, prowess, I guess will be the word. Like Matt is, he's got some rep as a commissioner. In, in oh, I'm sorry, and Bill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bill made a face. I was like, oh, me. thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, Bill, you, you you were not in the off season uh, commission impossible pod, but the, that's true uh, about the COVID stuff. So I, <laughs> Matt was. So. <laughs> all right, all right. I I, I concede. I no, just but I did want to at the right time. <laughs> no, but I actually did put probably more commissioner stuff on here than we have in a while, in part actually because you're on, Bill, um, along with Matt. So the first thing I want to ask Matt, though, is I asked, this, I asked it to Bosch. We've had Scott Fish and Ryan McDowell. I asked them just like what would be the best advice you would give to any commissioners out there that are looking to start a new league? Yeah, this I, somebody may have already talked about this, but my number one is especially for a new commissioner because no matter what, 
even experienced commissioners, there's going to be situations that arise that you didn't think about happening and something has come up that's not in your bylaws. First and foremost, obviously have some bylaws out, right? But even when you have those, there's going to be, there's going to be things that come up that, that aren't covered in that. So you got to have at the end of your bylaws, a clause, a best interest clause that just says something like, you know, when under extenuating circumstances, where there's something that's covered, not covered in the bylaws, the commissioner will act in the best interest of the league, something like that. You know, uh, I can give you a quick example. In fact, uh, in Red List 3, Vampire, Vampire League, uh, we had uh, the first time a vampire won. Uh, if you're not familiar with vampire leagues, real quick, you, vampires, they get basically no startup uh, capital and then they have to develop their team from waiver wires. They, if they win a, if they get a, if they beat somebody, they get to steal somebody from another team, uh, a player from another team. So in this case, uh, the first time it happened, I didn't have it in the bylaws uh, that you couldn't, uh, you know, tr make trades before the vampire claims their victim, so to speak. And someone just started like moving all their good assets for picks and all this kind of stuff. And like basically taking away uh, the only advantage that the vampire has in the league, uh, which is to steal a good player, right? So uh, I had to step in real quick. I, I actually let it play out for a minute because I wanted to see exactly what was going to happen, you know, because I wanted mm -hmm. to see like how, how much damage could he actually do? Uh, and uh, it turned out like it could probably do pretty uh, quite a lot of damage. <laughs> so it's kind I of insane too. Like you're going to get rid of a bunch of of your good players so the vamp can't take one. Like <laughs> yeah, it, 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 there's certainly some diminishing returns there, right? But uh, it got to the point where I thought that there would be because the other the other thing is that you can protect players with picks. So if you uh, basically, if you have a first round pick, you can shield a player from being stolen. So if you trade a bunch of players for picks, then you have more players that you can protect. Uh, right. It makes less players less less available to the vampire. So that happened. I had to step in and under the best interest clause right away and kind of squash that. Uh, so that kind of thing is kind of a fail safe. As long as you are acting in the best interest of the league, I don't think anybody can say that. I do think that that's a little bit more difficult for uh, commissioners that don't have a little bit of a reputation. Like maybe it's your first league you've ever commissioned. You're playing with a bunch of random people. Uh, they may not trust you to do that. Uh, but once you're, you, you've kind of established yourself as a commissioner that's, that's going to do things for the best interest of the league, then that's something... Uh, you got to have in there to take care of anything that doesn't uh, that, that loophole. So you know, we had you said you had Bo we had Bosch on there. I actually listened to that episode. Uh, and Bosch, he's going to hate that I say this, but he is the king of loopholes. I call him Loophole John because <laughs> he's going to look and comb over with a fine tooth comb that those bylaws and see where he can exploit uh, the, that rule set. And he's done that in a few leagues, uh, including uh, Capitalist Pigs One with Fish. His, I think it was one of his first years uh, playing Dynasty Bosch, uh, and he, he he had a he did this thing that basically pissed off the entire league <laughs> uh, so you're gonna you're gonna have those really smart players that's not a bad thing it's good to have uh i, I you ever seen you saw jurassic park i assume with the raptors yeah. they like test the defenses right so you want to have these really smart owners that are going in and, and poking holes in your uh bylaws so you, those things can come up early in a league's life uh, rather than in the middle but at the end like i said you know those things are always going to come up you're, there's going to be things that that gms come up with that you had no idea was even possible that they could do that you did not foresee happening in your league and that best interest clause just allows you a, a good way to take care of those things it doesn't so, li listening to him on dynasty game night doesn't surprise me that Bosch <laughs> would do that kind of thing in his leagues yeah. <laughs> But uh, Bill, uh, since I have, I don't think I've ever asked you this question, despite having you on before. So, is, is there anything else you would add as kind of advice for for new commissioners out there, or somebody starting a new league? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things that I would I immediately thought of when I read this, and one of them is if you're starting a new league where you don't know all the people, I would collect the two two years of fees up front. 
so you don't have to, during the season, be collecting fees when people trade picks. You're always a year ahead. You're out, you just never have to deal with that as a headache later on if you have somebody who makes a trades a first towards the end of the season. You never end up being able to collect from them, and then they bounce, and then you're out the... You know, you got to find somebody who's willing to take that team uh, minus their first round pick. Um, the other thing is, you got to just learn to be able to say no, and you got to be able to make some decisions on your own, and you have to be able to like stay strong if you believe what you're. You know, you can't let the league run the league. I guess is my point. It, there's just times where you just have to say no. We'll we'll talk about it. You know, in the off season, or we'll do something at another time. And make make some boundaries. Otherwise, you know, there's certain owners that are just going to try to run over you, and and that's just something that you learn with experience. But the earlier you can learn that, I mean, it saves you so many headaches during the season. I, I think one way you can take, you know, you can help yourself out with that is you know, it depends on how you feel about as a commissioner and how confident you are with the, with the people in your league. But I I run my leagues as like. I don't. I'm, I'm just throwing percentages out there, but like 80% dictatorship and 20% democracy. You know, like yeah, exactly. Once you, I guess that's a little bit more difficult for a brand new commissioner because, and this is this happened to me too when I first started commissioning like 20 years ago. Like you want to try to make everybody happy, but right. that's just not going to happen. You just <clears throat> that you, it's just not going to happen. So, uh, you know, gigantic changes like you know adding a super flex position or even maybe even just a flex position or changing the scoring or something like that. That's probably something you should uh you know at least throw out to your league for discussion but uh you know small things like uh like like covid rules and stuff like that like i just make those and that's just the way it is like i'm not yeah. gonna have a vote i'm not gonna do all the stuff where i have to rely on other owners i might throw it out into a league chat like hey what are your guys thoughts on this you know do you have any other ideas and sometimes they have better ideas than i do but at the end of the day like i'm gonna be the one that makes the decision on things like that that aren't like just giant league changing things I'm glad you brought that up because as I was listening to both of you talk, that was going to be my next question is how, how reluctant are you to to maybe not put things to a vote to just say I'm, this is what we're doing? Because um, I know I know Russ has talked about being reluctant to do that uh, Dynasty Outhouse um, in his trade addicts leagues. Um, but uh, it's all good stuff. And I agree with all of it. And like you said at the beginning, too, the, the bylaws thing is huge. My my bylaws are a novel. And like you said, people will still find ways to to try and get around them. But if, if you make them as detailed as possible, you can try and eliminate as many of those things as possible before they happen. Um, but the other, uh, the next issue I wanted to bring up was something that happened recently in a league I was in, not one I commish, um, but there was a guy who's uh, kind of on the fringes of the playoff race. I think he was either just in or just out. And he went to set his lineup on a Thursday uh, or after, after the Thursday night game, I believe. Um, and, this was a Kahali Waring had come off IR, so he couldn't set his lineup because he was still on his IR. And he had, he, and we, the rest of us didn't find this out about this until Sunday, but uh, he had assumed that his lineup was going to roll over. And I believe uh, this is my first year in the league. I believe in past years that's what it had done, um, but it did not. So he had no lineup for the week, zero points. Um, and so I'm curious. I, I I'll get into what the what actually ended up happening, but uh, basically this did not come up until after I think Sunday night or something. Somebody realized it and brought it up to the commission and group chat. Um, I'm just curious how how you would handle that uh, if it came up in one of your leagues because it you know affected him and also affected other teams in the playoff race. This was like two weeks ago. So 
what do you guys think? Uh, Bill, I'll let you go first. Well, I mean, it's ultimately his responsibility to know that his lineup was set. So, I mean, the fact that nobody brought it up until it was well into Sunday, I mean, you can't tell him to set a lineup then. And you can't even, I mean, I guess you could say we could play the same lineup as last week. Um, that is what the commission did. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's really the two options, either to say get bent or we roll it forward from the week <laughs> before, you know. I mean, that's, and I, I think that's probably just for competition and all of that. I think that's the correct answer. Um, curious to hear the results of that. Like, did the guy end up winning and getting into the playoffs because of that? But, yeah, I think that's probably the right decision. Yeah, I, I don't think you can necessarily let it just be all zeros in your lineup, but it is that GM's responsibility. Like, he should have known earlier in the week. Uh, I, well, I guess I should say there there are definitely instances that where they come off right before game time on Sunday. So that's an extenuating circumstance. Uh, and it's also a commissioner setting, too, though. Like, there's a setting, in a, if, if this is on MFL, there's yeah. a setting that says, uh, you know, you can't make – you can't submit a lineup if these these things aren't like if you have an illegal player on your taxi squad or an illegal player on your IR or whatever. Uh, and in that case, the commissioner has made the made the choice to make that a setting. So uh, you you have to you have to be able to to fix it if 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 that does become an issue. But I do think it's on the onus of the the GM themselves to come to you as soon as they see it because it's happened to me several times this year because I have that setting turned on for some of my leagues uh, where like oh so and so is all come came off IR I didn't know it I can't set a lineup can you fix that for me real quick so you, obviously you should be giving your commissioner you know a, as much time as possible to do that don't come to me at uh, I, I guess we're on East Coast time for most of you guys so whatever one o'clock or 1255 or whatever five minutes before the game starts and tell me you can't do this you should probably should have been looking at your lineup in some regard before that point right so uh, you fix it the best you can I think the, probably the best call is to go ahead and play the last lineup uh, don't let them make too many changes to it uh, but yeah that, I think first and foremost it's on the GM and the second uh, the commission for for choosing that setting and have to be uh, willing to fix it if something does happen. Yeah, and and to what you said with the the IR, yeah, it was, it was because the guy had already played, he couldn't take him, so he would have yeah. had to get the commission to do it. Right. Um, and and he apparently, I don't even think he's the one that realized it. So I, I don't know what he was doing from Thursday to Sunday that he didn't even check once. But uh, it was somebody else that brought it up. I think that actually um was in also in the playoff and i think he did end up losing that week and and not making the playoffs anyway so it wasn't uh it wasn't a a huge factor i guess but i just did think it was an interesting topic to bring up here see that's 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 that falls under that best interest clause again like that's something that like if the other other gm or especially the one who was playing them they wanted the free win that week sorry that's not in the best interest of the league i've got to put a line up and we've got to play this out uh i i will say that i don't off like if somebody leaves like a bye week player or two in their lineup, uh, and it's an accident. I generally won't fix something like that. But if it's an entire lineup, like I mean, even me this past week, it, we you know some of us have dozens of leagues. I have fourteen leagues. I there was one league where I left Ryan Fitzpatrick in a in a league. Uh, and, and actually trade addicts eight. Uh, and I was really bummed about it. Luckily I still won, but like it happens, you know, so, uh, you have to be able to accept that responsibility as the general manager, but also, you know, give your commissioner time enough to fix it if it's a reasonable fix. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, especially if you're in a lot of leagues that can happen. The, the last thing you said there, I'm in, 
I'm in way too many, and I know at least two or three times this year I've left a guy in a lineup just because I haven't had time to run through them all again on Sunday morning to make sure I got everybody out of there that wasn't playing. Um, and the, the last thing we'll go to before we move on to the next uh, segment is just something uh, like we're bringing him up again. Russ uh, at Dynasty Outhouse uh, has brought up on Trade Addicts recently about, and saying he's going to switch the leagues, uh, I think all the Trade Addicts leagues, to doing this this year. And I'm just curious if you guys as commissioners see any problem with it, um, which I'm not sure I do. Um, thoughts on allowing trades before the NFL week is out. So, like, what he wants to do is – he keeps saying that Mondays are, are are boring because you're 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 locked in place and you can't do anything and all, almost all the games have been played. You're just sitting there all day, can't make trades. Um, so he's going to allow trades to to be done. I assume MFL has a setting that allows you to do this. He's going to allow trades to be done. Um, you don't get the guys' points for that week, obviously, but you can trade them even if they've already played or or whatever. So so Bill, what do you what do you think of, of doing that? Is there any downside to it if you as long as you're not as long as you can keep the points from being switched yeah i don't think that there's an issue with that i think that that i mean in trade addicts leagues that should absolutely be the setting right like i mean you should be (laughs) allowing trading at all times you know so um i don't necessarily know that i would want to do that in all of my leagues but i don't see like there's anything wrong with it either so um as long as you can control the points and if they you know if it was on somebody's lineup you know can you if they were in the starting lineup for somebody and the game was on Sunday, can you trade them on Monday? You know, I don't know this. Like you said, the MFL setting would be the yeah. only thing that I would question. But if that's a setting that allows you to do that, then yeah, what the hell? Yeah, I'm honestly, I don't, maybe Matt knows. I'm honestly not sure how MFL handles it. I do know on Sleeper, you can trade guys at any point and it leaves them in your lineup and it just says no longer on team or something like that. Um, but what, what do you think, Matt? I I am okay. I'm okay with almost any setting as long as it's something that the league is okay with and wants. You know, whatever is fun for you, for the group that you have together is is fine with me. Uh, that particular setting I don't have a problem with, but I don't know how it works either. Uh, and, and capitalist pigs leagues, uh, Scott Fish's uh, bankroll leagues, um, he allows to trading of the players, but I've never done it, so I don't know if it pulls the points in the out of the lineup that it was already started in. Or right. not, so uh, that's not that's not a, a, a answer I have, unfortunately. But as long as you're not like getting like a like a like it, le- it lets you like replace a player in the in the lineup for the team that's acquiring the player or something mm-hmm. like that, like where you're basically it's like become like so like kind of like a best mini best ball setup, right? Where like oh well, this player sucks, so I'm gonna pull him out and put in this player that I trade traded for who scored more points. Like I don't think that's fair, but. Uh, so as long as you resolve the scoring issue, like I, I have no problem with it at all. Yeah. And I think, I know Russ, I think has said that he might have to police that part of it. So to allow people not to see to that, do that, that. Yeah. That, Which I wouldn't part. want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I nah. want a few policing as I, like I have some rules like the IRR rules and stuff. And, uh, like even like, you know, uh, tanking, anti-tanking rules and stuff like that. in a few leagues, like that's not something that I'm going to police on myself. I think that's where you, you kind of draw on the power of the crowd or the wisdom of the crowd, right? You're going to require if somebody sees something, they got to say something. Otherwise I'm not going to go back and fix something two weeks prior. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, that's, that's how I would run, run that. And if, 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 if Russ is willing to do that for all of his leagues, then God more bless power him. to him, I guess. You know, <laughs> more power to him. But that is not something I'm going to do. Yeah. That's eight trade addicts leagues alone. Just beyond <laughs> the other ones that I know he has other leagues he does as well. So, 
Okay, good good commissioner talk this week. So we will now move on to uh, week 13 in Dynasty Strategy. Dynasty Strategy. We start off with the injuries. There wasn't a lot this week. It actually, uh, the ones that did come up were late, including after the game's been played, one of them. Uh, but one is uh, Antonio Gibson has a toe injury, which sounds, uh, unfortunately, maybe like turf toe, which which seems to usually be a, a multi-week injury, I believe. It sounds like he's, they haven't even committed to him being out Sunday, but it certainly looks that way. And if it is turf toe, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little longer. So uh, one of my first thoughts here was actually is I, I wouldn't, I still think, uh, especially if you're going to a team that that's uh, not in the playoffs, I, I wouldn't mind selling him at this point because I already thought his value was overinflated. I don't I don't think this devalues him that much that he got a tur- uh, you know a toe injury for a couple of weeks, especially if you're if you don't need his points right now. Um, we had actually talked about him on the show last week uh, about talking about him versus James Robinson, and and all three of us agreed. Or no, actually, two of us, two of the three of us agree we would take Robinson over Gibson. Uh, so I, I actually. You know, if you were competing, it, it would be hard to sell him at that point. But I kind of like this as an opportunity to maybe sell high on him, even with the injury. I think it's still selling high. But um, what do you think, Matt? Um, sell opportunity, and also, do you think uh, is this uh, JD McKissick season now? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a draft day consultant client that asked me if he should play Peyton Barber this week, and I said absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I uh, know somebody tried to sell him to me this week. I was like, no, I mean, thank you. <laughs> I mean, potentially he falls in the end zone a time or two, and and actually ends up paying off. But he's not someone I could confidently start. It's, like you said, it's JD McKissick. If you're going to start anybody, and his a couple of weeks ago when he had like 15 or 16 targets or whatever ridiculousness it was, um, I I would go the other way on on Gibson and just talk just throwing Robinson back in the mix there. I, I think with, with Gibson, you have some untapped potential there. We've seen him finally learn to become a running back, but his strength is as a receiver. And we've only seen really a game or two of him, you know, kind of unlock that part of his game. So uh, it, it's, it's concerning that McKissick took all those targets from him, but I think that McKissick is not necessarily going to be on that team for very long or, or that Alex Smith isn't going to be the quarterback for, you know, uh, you know, for at least most of Gibson's career, I would say. So I think I would probably lean towards his direction. I don't mind selling at all. I did sell him on a contender uh, a few weeks ago before he kind of had his breakout game for, I just got Keenan Allen straight up for him. Cause it's a, it's a playoff team. And oh, I, I love wanted, that. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, like, I, I, I think you guys have talked about it before uh, on this show and others that, you know, I, I like having, I don't mind having those old receivers, the ones that I know are going to yeah. put up points. And if they die on my roster, they die on my roster, you know? So uh, that's a deal that I wouldn't mind making if I'm a contender, you know, something like that. Uh, but in, in general, I'm, I'm pro Gibson, I would say. And uh, where, where do you fall on that bill? Do you like the, uh, where, where do you fall on Gibson in general? And, and like I said, I see him as overvalued. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm still not sure how big of a workload he can carry. I, I don't know that we can attribute to, a toe injury to overusage, but but he has been getting more usage, and then he got injured in it. And his college teams never seemed to want to give him uh, a big workload. So I'm mean, not that he was a strict running back at that point either, but he, he never seemed to get a lot of touches in college. So so what do you think, though? Well, I think that his you know just he is getting a ton more touches than he right. had in college, right? So that already breaks that concern for me. Like they've decided that he's worth giving all these touches to, so I'm okay with that. Um, if he's overvalued, probably, you know, he's because he was one of those hot names, you know, like kind of sleeper guys to get in the second round. Um, you know, it's it's just, uh, 
you know, a lot of times when guys are hyped up, you know, their value is always going to be higher. And that's like where you see like James Robinson, he's probably going to be living the life of Chris Carson, right? Because like, he's not a high draft pick. He's, he's going to be one of those guys who contributes. So just value wise, like, I think I don't mind having Gibson. If I don't, even if I don't believe in Gibson, I'm fine having him during the off season and trying to move him before next season. Cause the hype's going to build up for him again going into his second year so um i'm i lean more on just holding gibson for now as opposed to trying to sell him okay yeah i hear that and and yeah i think it's i think i mean i, I don't have any gibson because i didn't i, I didn't necessarily believe in him that much and <laughs> i haven't won so, yeah so i and i wasn't when i did have he was generally going around the late second usually i was taking some of those receivers that were going in that area at this point anyway but um Matt, did you say? I think you were uh, going to give us some uh, possible trade finder trades for for Gibson. Yeah, yeah, and the DLF trade finder. This 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 tool pulls out uh, trades from actual MFL leagues. So these are trades that actually happened. And I'm a little bit surprised. Maybe I'm on the on the selling side of that. <laughs> now that I see the these now now we always have to take into account that we don't know, necessarily know the context Setting, of these yeah. trades. And you know maybe there's maybe there's extra weird rules in it, or you know a lot in this time of year there's a lot of like contender swapping players for other you know uh, and taking a value hit to get production now that kind of thing that said though there are surprising ones just from the first few here antonio gibson for deandre swift and michael gallup like i would probably prefer swift just straight, <laughs> straight up, up. yeah he got gallup on top of him yeah that, that could uh, be deandre one of hopkins things, straight yeah. up i thought i did I thought I did pretty good with Keenan Allen, but this guy got DeAndre Hopkins, so that's a step up. Uh, Joe Mixon and a sec- second. I, I think I, I think that's pretty close, actually. Like, yeah, I, I don't that, know. Gibson obviously has power a little bit, but Terry McLaurin. I mean, like straight up for him. CD Lamb straight up for him. So uh, there are apparently so. some deals. <laughs> there is apparently some deals to be had out there with Gibson. So I definitely don't mind uh, shopping him after seeing some of these. Yeah, uh, that's 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 where my head was at actually. Is especially after we did the thing last week because we had pulled it on Twitter like we do every week, and it came out so far. And I, I I can definitely see anybody wanting Gibson over Robinson. I can definitely see the argument there, but it came out like seventy thirty. So uh, uh, that alone just kind of made me think. You know, I'd rather trade Gibson for Robinson plus is what we were talking about last week. So, um, but it, I'd much rather trade Gibson for DeAndre Hopkins or or DeAndre Swift plus. So, <laughs> so yeah, if you can get, that's what I'm saying. If you can get that kind of return and I don't know that it's, unless the team is in the playoffs and needs the points now, but if you can sell them to a non-contender that's it's, or I'm sorry, non-playoff team at this point, that's uh, into that Gibson hype and get something like that, you know, especially like you did with Keenan or, or Hopkins, one of those quote unquote aging receivers. Uh, I'll do that all day. Uh, but the other one we were going to talk about was uh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, another, another, I think it's his third different injury, <laughs> right? If this is a quad or a thigh or something. Um, yeah. And uh, after the shoulder and the knee. So it's, it's kind of crazy. He's missed a, all these the games with these three different injuries. Um, one, one thing I wanted to take out of this, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I do well, unless you did either of you disagree, I don't think it hurts his value too much from it. No. This missed season. Yeah. Even though I mean, maybe it even helps the less wear and tear <laughs> of the carries. I don't know, but 
the one other thing I was just going to ask about this is as a contender, um, would either of you be interested in Mike Davis at this point, And what would you pay for him? I, I don't think I am. I'm interested. Uh, I, I, I will say that I did make a mistake early on in, in, in one league where I was, I won last year. I was clear. I think I was clearly the best team in the league before week one. Um, and I could have had Mike Davis for a third round pick and I passed. And that was probably a gigantic mistake from the production earlier in the year. But at this point, I think we have seen, I think we've seen the best of him. I, I have to pull up their schedule off the top of my head, but I don't remember being particularly good uh, for the playoffs, maybe middle of the road or something like that. He does have um, Denver this week, who I think is pretty pretty Den- low against the run but yeah they're, they're and they're missing uh what's his face the linebacker middle linebacker anyway uh i can't remember his name but anyway yeah so that's a decent matchup in week one but i it may be for a third round pick again but i mean at this point you're you you have what three three games maximum from him so right. anything more than that maybe maybe a third and a fourth of your league has fourth round pick something like that but i don't think i'm willing to invest anything uh seriously in him and yeah, I'm right there with you. And I'm a guy who actually had some. I actually had some Davis on my roster. I'll, I'll pick up some of those those handcuff running backs. Um, he was on waiver wires and stuff before uh, CMC got hurt. I think I actually did some of that in the off season, knowing he was going to be the handcuff. And uh, I, in a couple of uh, non contending leagues, I went into this season uh, looking to rebuild. I, I tried to sell him, and I could not. I could not get a second for him, and I I held on just like like you said. You didn't even want to. Uh, uh, pay a third or what it was so um so yeah I, I, he was hard to sell even as he was scoring nobody wanted to buy him and and he's kind of tailed off from that since then so i think i would pay a third because i don't care about thirds even if it's just for this game i'm fine with a third if a third helps me get a playoff win i'll do that all day but uh is that where you're at bill it's, would you pay a third or i i think we all agree none of us would pay a second for one two three maybe three games yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I am. I pay a third, though, for sure. Um, I mean, there's teams, like, that I went pretty much zero RB. And if you look at my team, like, I'm, like, in the playoffs starting, you know, like, I don't know. Who was it? Um, the uh, backup for the uh, Colts, uh, Jordan, Jordan Wilkins. Wilkins. Yeah, like, he's literally one of my starting running backs because I have no good mm-hmm. running backs. So, like, that would be a perfect trade for a team like that, you know, just because I'm so loaded in other positions. And he, he does – he's getting you double-digit PPR points every week. So um, it's definitely worth worth a third for me, like, in a situation like that, you know. But otherwise, I mean, he's not going to be really that different from anybody else you're starting, so why even make the move? Yeah, and I do think unless you're getting him from another playoff team, if you're in a league that still has trades at this point, I think any non-playoff team would take whatever they can get for him at this point. Like like I said earlier in the season, I was trying to get it, you know, like, this is like I'm talking like week four or five, trying to get a second for him and nobody would do that. But at this point, I eventually did move him, but at this point I would definitely sell him for a third just because I know I'm likely not getting anything from him at any point in the future. So, so get what you can. Um, but we'll move on to the next, <clears throat> excuse me, and move on to the next topic, um, which is the other big non-injury news of the week. Uh, my Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz, not looking good, benched at halftime, or yeah, be- benched in the third quarter. Jalen Hurts comes in and takes over as a starter this week. Uh, Matt, what do you what do you think of Hurts? Uh, do you? 
is he somebody that you're interested in moving forward? Uh, I tend to think that that Wentz is uh, going back to Wentz. He's still going to be a starter, but I don't think he's coming back in this year. I think he will be a starter uh, somewhere in 2021. We talked about this some on the Super Show last night, uh, it, whether it's with the Eagles or someone else. Um, but, but what are your thoughts on Hertz and, and what is his value right now? Would you have any interest in acquiring him? Uh, talk to me about Hertz. I mean, I think you have to be interested in any quarterback that's going to run. We've seen what Taysom Hill <laughs> has done uh, yeah. in, in three games. I think he's the quarterback three overall over the last three games. So even somebody who we think is not necessarily the greatest passer is going to have value for us. Uh, and actually, that's going to be a really fun game this week. We watch watching two non non traditional quarterbacks yeah. go at it. Jalen, I'm looking forward Taysom to seeing Hill. that. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I have some interest, but I feel like in a super flex format, you're probably going to have to pay a first to pry him off of somebody's hands right now, and that's not something I'm willing to do for him just yet. That might be a mistake, uh, you know, not paying a late first for a guy like that. But I think I'd, I would rather wait and and get some confirmation that he's good. I don't know if we're necessarily going to get that this week because the Saints' defense is so good. Uh, so, uh, but after that, the, the schedule lightens up in 15 and 16. I think he's probably actually uh, usable in fantasy in 15 to 16 if he arranges the starter. So, uh, you know, if, if I I could get him for like two seconds, something like that. I'd probably be be a little bit interested because I agree with you. I don't think Wentz is back. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I don't know. I guess I guess it depends on what they can do with that contract because the Eagles are in cap hell, right? You know, you know that more than anybody, I'm sure, being an Eagles fan. Um, so I don't know how necessarily they get out of that contract. I don't know if anybody's going to pay for it. Um, and it does feel. It, it does feel strange to think that uh, I think they owe him like 25 million guaranteed or something next year. It feels weird that that guy would be sitting on the bench behind Hertz, but we've seen, we've seen strange things happen. Like when uh, Seattle paid $10 million or whatever for Matt Flynn. And then Russell Wilson came in as a third rounder uh, and, and was starting right away. So uh, I'm not necessarily sure that's going to happen. I am, I have some interest in, in Hertz, but I think I have more interest in wins to be honest with you. I think I would, I would probably pay uh, at least two seconds, maybe a late first for, for Wentz because I, if you look down the quarterbacks like once you get to like quarterback 15 16 17 like it just doesn't feel good like so I just don't think that I still still somehow we still don't have enough quarterbacks in the NFL and we're gonna have you know four or five some people are saying maybe six first round quarterbacks in the 2021 NFL draft um so it, it, I don't. I think there's going to be a spot for him somewhere. So I think I would rather buy Wentz at this point than than Hurts, uh, depending on the price difference. But I, I do have some interest in him. And him just just kind of depends on the price. I, I just rather. I think I already said it, but I'd rather wait and see some more confirmation that he's good than pay the, and pay pay a little bit more than pay for the price that it's going to cost you right now. And uh, I, I'm I'm with you there too. I, I we talked about it again. I keep going back to last week's show because we also talked about Wentz on last week's show, not knowing he was going to be benched the following week. <laughs> but um, uh, but just talking about how far he'd fallen. And I liked him as a buy low then. I like him even more now because you you know as a a guy who's not starting, he should be even cheaper. And like I said, since I believe he will be a starting quarterback going forward, whether it's with the Eagles or someone else. I think now's a great time to buy him. And I, I just can't believe he can keep being this bad as well. So, I mean, we saw I, there was a, a stat I threw out there. It's something like the last three years is, is his QB or not his QB rating was 98.3 and he's fallen off 25 points this season. It's only happened six times since 1950. 
and and the other five of the other six guys retire the next year. <laughs> so this is like unprecedented. I don't know what's going on. I I think he has to be better than he's been, and we we've seen much much better than what he's been this year. That entire offense is just. I mean, it's just falling apart. They keep trying to give them receivers, and they just keep getting hurt. Like it's just like they, they feel like they're trying. The offensive line is. You know, I, we thought it was going to be a pretty good one this year, but that didn't work out either. So I feel like that in general, the team has tried to surround him with talent in the receiving game. They gave him a, a great running back who's also a threat in the receiving game. Uh, so you know, if they can get the offensive line taken care of, maybe maybe it's possible he can he can resurrect his career. I think. And Bill, what? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm actually. Well, I'm actually curious, like the play calling, because it seems like he's holding onto the ball so long. It's like, why are you making, why are you calling these plays where he's got to wait for all these downfield passes? You know, like maybe do some quick hitters and stuff like that where you're not, you know, threatened by uh, that horrible line that's in front of him. You know, everybody's injured. We, we heard about it before the season even started. You know, guys are getting hurt. Guys are coming out of retirement just to fill holes, you know, moving, playing all these different positions. And, you know, it's, I don't know if you can blame him, and and I get the Eagles wanting to at least figure out what they have in Hurts, and you know he's not already condition preconditioned, you know, to be aware of all of the pressure, and he does have the skill set to maybe maneuver around that a little bit better. So I mean, you you could notice it even when he was in there last week where he was just reading the you know the play and, and flicking the ball and hoping for the best where you know it just seems like Wentz is just so shell-shocked right now and we see that time and time again with quarterbacks when they don't get you know they don't have a line where they just start getting so scattered and not you know they're not confident in the situation and all of a sudden stuff like this happens but i mean this is just crazy like from a, a guy who was in the MVP conversation to like what we saw this year it's just incredible to me um as for Hertz, i don't you know i'm not super sold on him i don't think he's like a great quarterback um so but he can probably be effective fantasy wise and you know if so Ted that could be a quarterback one i think jalen hurts could be a quarterback one <laughs> exactly so but the the concern is do i want to pay for somebody i'm not right. confident is going to be like a long-term quarterback so that's kind of like I agree with you, Matt, when you said like maybe maybe pay up and you know if if you see it two weeks down the road or or into the off season you feel comfortable that he showed that he's going to be a you know at least somebody that can potentially become a a long term starter then you make the you know, make make the move early in the off season before the hype builds because you know that's going to happen right and so the only issue is. Like, what do you do? Like, I mean, he's going to be in the same situation. What do you do if he, like, just falls on his face in these next few games? Like, is it just went, you're back to Wentz, you know? And so, yeah, I kind of agree with you in that regard as well, Matt, about the, uh, you know, Wentz might be the play here as opposed to, uh, I feel better about Wentz being a starter for sure in, you know, next year and then even 2022 and on. So, yeah, and um, I, I feel like I feel like they're going to cost. I feel like they're about the same value wise right now, at least market you're probably value, right. right. Like they're probably mm-hmm. not. The price difference probably is is very minimal, if if anything. Uh, in fact, I bet you, you know, if you put a poll out there, I bet 
it's pretty close to 50-50 in terms of which ones, which one, you know, uh, a GM prefers at this point. So at that point, you've got, I feel like you've got to go with the contract uh, <laughs> and the player that we've seen do it before. You know, it, right. I, I think there is something to it that maybe you buy now before, a bit, buy now cheap in case he does, does blow up. But it, it, but there's just too many other variables in there. You know, like you pay a first now, and then he goes back to the bench in 2021, and then what do you have? You could have spent that late first on one of these potential six first round NFL quarterbacks next year, and then you have a guy you, you know is going to start at some point, right, uh, in the near future. So I just think yeah. there's better ways to spend your capital. There's quarterbacks that there's other quarterbacks that you can get in this for for the same price. Like you, I bet you can go get Matthew Stafford right now for a single late first, and people keep saying he's old, but he's only somehow 32 years old so we've seen these quarterbacks play well into their late 30s now if not their early 40s with with you know guys like Breeze and Brady's and Stafford you know I think could probably be one of those guys if he wants to and his health stays there so uh, I just think when you when you're considering deals like this you have to think about who else you could get for that same price and not get so enamored with the with the one player that could be a sure could could be a, a, a potential star you know yeah, it's gonna gonna be interesting to see how this whole Eagles thing plays out. And and you're speaking my language there because those are all the kinds of quarterbacks I like to acquire, as Bill knows. Um, is is those single late first QBs? Might, so I, I imagine I'm gonna get Aaron Rodgers for late first right now. I know his value has come up a little bit from, I mean, maybe a lot from from last season, but he's still he, you know 36, going to be 37 years old. You can play that up, and he's going to play for another two to three years. So go spend your first round pick on Aaron Rodgers instead. Right, right. Um, so one other topic I wanted to get into um, before we get into find me a trade um, and, and beyond just the news from this past week, it's just a little rebuilding talk because, uh, you know, it's the end of the regular season. A lot of us are going to the playoffs, but there's many, including some of my teams where uh, I'm you know, already rebuilding or thinking about it after the way this season went. Um, so one question I wanted to ask you guys, I mean, I think we know, I know rebuilding strategy is generally to go for the, the longer term guys in terms of quarterbacks and wide receivers. Uh, but when you do decide to go into that rebuild, I'm wondering how long do you guys expect, uh, before you're going to start competing again? So say you're going into rebuild now because the season didn't go well, you're, you're aging. Are you looking to compete? Uh, obviously it, you can almost not expect to pe- compete next year, but by 2022, cause I, I generally think I can kind of turn it around in a couple of years. Um, so I'm probably hoping to by 2022, but where are you at Bill? Do you expect it to take three years, two years, one year? What, what are you looking at when you decide, okay, this is, this didn't work this year. Some of my guys are aging. I gotta, I gotta maybe not blow it up, but, but start retooling or rebuilding. Yeah, I think that like typically um, the way I build my teams is I kind of have this rolling, uh, you know, I don't have all veterans, so it's never truly like a blow up for me. Um, So I usually think that I can do it maybe one full season of rebuild and then the following season be back, um, you know, in the playoffs, potentially contending. Um, Yeah, I just don't. I don't, I don't ever see me, unless I'm taking up like an orphan or something like that, and I'm just completely imploding the team. Like That's really the only time where I say, okay, this is going to be a two-year or a three-year rebuild for me. But otherwise, it's, it's one season for me. Is that basically how you look at it, Matt? After, you, know, you start it one year, the next year you don't expect to compete, that next year after that, so two years down the line, I, I should be competing, if not maybe – the, the top title contender. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think it just depends on I, – I, I like to look at my team from – uh, the perspective of how many starters do I do I do I need to be competitive? You know, do I need five starters to be competitive? Then I'm probably looking at least at least you know probably two draft seasons. You know, so I guess that's two two years for that. If I'm missing three players, maybe it's one season. Uh, and I feel like I feel like a lot of a lot of, of GMs will maybe hit the, the the reset button too soon because I think you can in, in most situations you can reload it rather than just the straight up rebuild and in 25 plus years of playing fantasy football I feel like I've had a full-blown rebuild maybe like three or four times in that entire season in, in that entire uh, length of time because you know if you have if you have six out of nine starters you don't need to hit the reset button if you have four 28 year old wide receivers you probably still got two good years out of them you know so uh it just depends on how you want to do it i think if you are doing a complete full-blown rebuild where you want to go uh you know just completely reset then you're probably looking at two to three years and probably uh to become a dominant team probably the, the closer to that three-year range but i think just think a lot of times if you just want to uh, be a competitive team because we all know that once you get into the playoffs it doesn't matter how dominant your team i've had 13 and no teams just get blasted in the first round in leagues that don't have buys you know so yeah. uh, I, I typically will go the reload route rather than the full the full rebuild and, and to your point I about say, that i, I will I'm say sorry. real quick the, the one thing uh I, you i mean I, i'm probably not saying anything monumental here but the one thing you don't want to be is right in the middle right like that's the worst absolute right. worst yeah. place to be in dynasty if you are right in the middle and you keep picking at you know 106 107 every year and you just can't get over the hump and that's the, that that's when you need to make the decision can i can i reasonably add a couple of players and be a competitive team or is my team too old and it's just time to move everybody for whatever picks or young, young players I can get. So if you're stuck in the middle for several years in a row, that's the time I think when I would really be looking to hit reset. Yeah. And just the one thing you mentioned there made me think of something in one of my leagues last year where uh, a guy to your, to your point about, you know, once you get in the playoffs, you never know what can happen. Guy went uh, 11 and 0, or I'm sorry, 13 and 0 in the league. And I had we had buys he had a buy lost the first game we had a third place game and he lost that so <laughs> he wins 13 games in a row and then doesn't even finish in the money it was crazy but <laughs> um one other thing i just wanted to mention uh that we want to get into here i'm sorry is the uh well something i was just going to say is also when you are doing the rebuild or retool thing whatever you want to call it i'm always i never sell picks just or I'm sorry, players, especially studs, just for picks. I'm always looking to get a player and a pick, or or maybe just a young player. If I'm selling a Julio, get get a, a younger wide receiver, a couple young wide receivers um, back, um, or get a receiver and a pick, or or something like that. And to that point, uh, we all came up with some possible rebuild targets. Um, if you're looking to sort of retool or rebuild. And, and anybody, you know, anyone can say to get some of these high end rookies that everybody loves, like Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb or, or get first round picks. So I, I asked the guys to come up with maybe some guys who are a little more under the radar. Uh, so, Bill, you want to give uh, a couple a couple of yours that you came up with? Yeah. So I kind of went with guys that maybe you could even get as like throw ins in a trade. So maybe you're getting picks and. Um, maybe you're trading, you know, like a, doing a Julio trade, you're getting like a first rounder plus or something. And, uh, you know, so the two guys I thought of were uh, Gabriel Davis with the Bills. Um, he's showing now that John Brown's out. Um, and just being a rookie and showing this well, you know, it's been pretty impressive. Uh, he's kind of filled a role that they needed with Brown being out. 
Um, and then the other one's Darnell Mooney uh, with with the Bears. He's actually had a, a lot of targets so far. I mean, he has 40 catches already, 400 yards, 71 targets. He's on pace for 94 targets for the year, which is pretty impressive for a rookie. And, um, you know, just – and he he's basically matched Anthony Miller, who a lot of people were kind of – you know, he, he was a favorite of a lot of people, including myself, over the last couple years. But he's kind of matched him already, and he's a three-year veteran, you know. So – it's kind of impressive, and, and he plays a different role. He's you know more of the the deep threat, but he's also like plays a lot of slots. So it's like kind of this interesting dynamic for him, and you know just all those targets is pretty impressive. Um, just as a rookie, you know, and, and kind of unheralded to be honest. Both of these guys. Yeah, and I like, but I especially like the the Davis one. We we've seen some interesting stuff from him. But what you said about Mooney is true, especially from a guy that nobody was nobody was thinking about uh, in rookie drafts, and and to get those targets already. Uh, the, I guess the only worry would be what what's going to happen with that offense. It, it's not very good now, but but forty catches in a bad offense as a rookie is is something to to look at as well. So. Uh, Matt, you also had some. Uh, you, you came up with the most of any of us. So you want to get stop. to yours? <laughs> I couldn't stop. Uh, I did actually, though, the first time I saw the question before I saw that Bill uh, put it down, like my first person that I thought of was Darnell Mooney. Uh, so that's a great pick. He's actually played uh, 73% of the snaps this year compared to Anthony Miller's 58%. And I think you do have to. Uh, you know, consider that Miller is pretty much primarily uh, like only plays in the slot. So if they're running two two receiver sets like they do uh, a, a large percentage of the time there in Chicago, then you have to discount that a little bit. But he's shown a lot. I think through his first year, they just need a quarterback like always with the Bears, right? Um, so uh, I I went uh, with some other guys, Quintez Cephas, uh, a guy that I love, uh, someone that I thought was going to be nothing after the combine, but uh, I love his ability to go up and get the ball. And the most interesting thing I think about the Lions is that he's the only receiver they have right now that is under contract for 2021 uh, i think obviously they're prop I mean, they're going to try to bring back uh, you assume they're going to try to bring back galladay i think Mo marvin jones is probably gone so if that happens and cephas immediately slots into that wide receiver two slot uh and it's going to be a red zone threat for for years to come for the lions so that one lavisca chanel uh one of the things i've been doing lately is thinking about these teams that uh, we think right now are really terrible, but in the future, they're going to have uh, quarterbacks like uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields. Uh, so the, the Jaguars, I think we have to think about, and that's LaVisca Chenault, someone I think we can probably get for you know an early second. I don't think you're going to have to pay a first for him right now. He's somebody that I would want to invest in. And then Denzel Mims for the Jets, that, uh, same same kind of line of thinking is they're gonna he's going to have one of those top quarterbacks throwing to him. Hopefully Gase is gone and doesn't ruin uh, the quarterback and Mims, but Mims, what we've seen so far mm -hmm. in limited action has been really impressive. Uh, so, and then the really deep option I have, <laughs> so this, this, this one I'm not sure about, but to kill Harry, uh, we've, we, 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 we were really excited about him in 2019. It didn't really work out with Brady. And now we've seen Cam Newton barely throw for a hundred yards in a game and many, and some games throw for less than a hundred yards in a game. So it's tough to break out when you have, uh, that kind of quarterback and uh, play, play from a passing standpoint. So I still have a little bit of faith in him. If you're reaching really deeply, somebody, I bet you can, I think I can't remember exactly, but in the last round of DLF mocks, he was going like in the 17th, 18th round of a, of a startup draft. So somebody, a dart throw uh, that, that could pay off in the future. But uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw, there was a stat that went up on the, on the, um, the screen during the Thursday night game that in the last 10 years, the Patriots uh, rookie wide receivers that they have drafted, they have had exactly one 
game of 100 yards or more. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Not, not very good uh, track record for the Patriots in drafting wide receivers. But, uh, you know, somebody that came out with a huge production profile, I think we can't necessarily throw, throw the dirt on him yet. It's funny that, you know, the 2019 most people's wide receiver one is now the deep guy behind Quintus Sivas. Uh, <laughs> uh, but speaking of Sivas, what do you – since we have a Lions fan on here, do, do do you think he gets it? I mean, are they, do you think they'll sign somebody or keep the, you know, will they re-sign Galladay? Uh, Jones, I think, is probably gone. Do you think they bring anybody else in or does Cephas actually get a more significant role next year? Well, I think they're definitely going to be bringing people in just because, I mean, like well, Matt like said. significant, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to, I think, because, but I think he'll still be getting more, um, more than he's gotten this year. And it was pretty promising that when, um, you know, like when Galladay was out, like he was actually playing quite a bit and, you know, early in the season. And, um, again, when he's out recently, the same thing. So, and he was getting a ton of targets like early on. So Stafford felt completely comfortable passing to him or throwing the ball to him early in the season. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, it really just depends because, you know, they're replacing the GM, they're replacing the coach, you know, so there's just so many moving parts. It's hard to even say, like what they're going to do like are they going to want to spend their money on galladay you know with the salary cap dropping you know there's so many moving parts that i'm just not really sure or do they just want to like suck it up just get rid of all the big contracts and you know start from ground zero so it's it's really hard to say but so i I think if that's the case then i mean that's huge for cephas Mm -hmm. and um, and he's shown enough for me to believe that he can be a, a contributor in the league. I mean, will he ever be, you know, Galladay or something like that? Probably not. But he, you know, he, he had he's one of those guys that fits really well with Stafford just because Stafford's kind of one of those YOLO quarterbacks and doesn't really expect, you don't expect the wide receivers to get a ton of separation because he's going to throw the ball in there regardless. And, you know, so that benefits Cephas. So, it just depends. Like if they move on from from Stafford, that might hurt Cephas a bit. You know, it's just it's just one of those matchups where, you know, he's a good fit with Stafford. I'm not necessarily sure if he'd be a fit with like maybe somebody who doesn't have as strong of an arm. Right, right. And uh, I'll go uh, I'll go through mine real quick because I, I I don't want to keep up. Uh, I know Matt has work early tomorrow, so I don't want to keep him up too oh, much later. Good, Having fun. <laughs> um, but I actually feel now that looking at yours, I probably went with the the least uh, uh, under the radar one or less obvious one. Mine's the most obvious one. Uh, My second one I like a little bit, but uh, one of the ones I put on here was Michael Pittman. I still think he's kind of, you know, he had a a week or two there where people were like, ooh, Michael Pittman, you know, he had a big game, uh, I think was on a a primetime game uh, that he did really well. And I still think he's lost a little bit of that luster. I mean, you're not going to get him cheap. You're not going to get him Darnell Mooney, Quintez Cephas cheap. But I, I do think he's a guy, you know, if you're selling a stud um, because you want to rebuild, he's definitely a guy you can get in there plus some other guys or picks or things like that. And he's not going to, you know, he's not, you know, CD lamb, you know, he's not going to cost you that. So, and I do think he has a lot of upside uh, going forward. There's not a lot there. Uh, you know, Paris Campbell has been hurt for two years and T.Y. Hilton's pretty much over the hill at this point. And I don't think anybody's worried about Zach Pascal. So, um, and my other one was, uh, Irv Smith. Uh, 
Everybody loved Irv Smith coming out. I loved Irv Smith coming out. He hasn't he hasn't done a ton, but we all know tight ends can take a few years. Um, you know, TJ Hawkinson's doing it in his second year, but TJ Hawkinson's pretty special. A lot of these guys take three or four years to come along. I still think that can happen. Um, and I don't think he's going to cost you much at all. So I really like get, getting him in tight end premium. Uh, any thoughts on those two uh, before we move on to find me a trade? Uh, Bill, Matt. I think that uh, Irv Smith, I think he's 22 years old still. So, I mean, like, he's super young for a tight end to be in his second year. Um, I think the only tight end that's been, like, close to him was Eric Ebron coming out, like, at, you know, similar age. So, yeah, I mean, he has plenty of time to improve. and So I like that. And, I mean, his his value has totally dropped this season. So, I mean, he's one of those guys that, you know, and this happens every bleeping year. Yeah. People get down on these hyped up tight ends expecting them to just blow up immediately and you know there's the guys who show you know they get that 500 600 yards that first year you know they're gonna blow up because they've they did it in their first season but there's still these other guys it just takes longer for them to, to develop and he's a young guy so like he's even that further behind you know so he's he's a guy i mean i don't even what do you have to pay for him right now and but i like that that's a that's a great pick in my opinion yeah i mean even in tight end premium i'm not sure anyone would ask for more than a late second at most for for irv smith at this point uh maybe not even that and if it it's you know if it's non-tight end premium you could get even cheaper but uh so a lot of good targets there uh you guys probably can't with better ones than me but uh <laughs> <laughs> bill's nodding his head yes um so we'll move on to find me a trade now Find me a trade. This week, it was submitted by Eric Hamelvig at Zetman77 on Twitter. Uh, I don't know. I'm just getting a news alert that Cam was benched. Is, is, is the game that much of a blowout? <laughs> yeah. Well, good news. Like Cam boat. broke one. He has 119 yards, so he did get over 100 this game. <laughs> Impressive. Um, anyway, so the, uh, at Zetman77 on Twitter is, is the, the guy who submitted it. And it's a 12-team super flex, but it's all flex positions. Uh, you don't need to start any specific uh, spot. It's, it's 10 spots. Uh, two of them can be quarterbacks, can't be more than two, and you can start any position in the rest of them. It's tiered PPR, uh, 0.5 for running backs, 1.25 for wide receiver, 1.75 for tight end. With 27-man rosters, like I said, start 10 at any position. So uh, you had a start up this year. Uh, things didn't go well, and he moved to more of a rebuild mode several weeks ago. So, yeah, I wanted to get another – I wanted to get a rebuilding roster for this episode, so I knew we were going to talk about that. And no, uh, no trade deadline, so he can still make moves, and he's looking to see what he can do. I'll go over his roster real quick, and then we'll get into to some of the trades. Uh, he's got uh, Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, uh, and Jameis Winston, a quarterback. Again, it's super flex, so he only has two starting guys right now. Uh, he pretty much looks like he sold off most of his running backs already. He's got David Johnson, uh, Naheem Hines, Zach Moss, Tariq Cohen uh, are the most significant guys. Uh, Michael Pittman he has, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mims, McLaren, uh, Gallup, are the main guys there. Oh, and Evans and Aguilar. And then at tight end, Fant and uh, Jimmy Graham, Trey Burton are kind of the three best guys there. And he's got a decent amount of picks. So it definitely looks like he has started the, the rebuild mode. Uh, 
So I'll do, I'll do mine first because I think mine is pretty pretty straightforward and simple, and then we'll get into you guys uh, what you think. And uh, the one I went with was um, to trade him to Naheem Hines uh, to the Itis uh, for Brian Edwards and Quintus Cephas. Uh, there he is again. So, and I was basically thinking what you, what you guys were saying that he, he has an opportunity to, to increase in value. Um, Brian Edwards is still a guy I also like a lot that hasn't done almost anything this year. Uh, he had a bunch of hype in the preseason uh, to the point where people were talking about he was now worth a first after being drafted in the late second, even though he hadn't done anything. Um, but I, I still like the talent there. He had, he had a real young breakout age, so he's got a good profile. So I definitely, and Naheem Hines is a guy, you know, I think he'll have value in the league going forward and he would have value for a playoff team. Now the guy he'd be selling him to is in the playoffs, got some iffy spots in his lineup. Uh, I was going to point out he had Mike Davis in his lineup, but now that looks a little better than it did yesterday uh, when I was thinking about it. Um, but, but he also has Gabriel Davis who, who, you know, I don't, I don't really want to depend on at this point. I think Hines gives the guy a more safer floor for his playoff matchup. Um, but Hines is a guy I'm perfectly fine for moving on, even though he's younger or younger running back in a rebuild. So if you can get that for Hines, I think it's a good value. And, uh, I, I think it helps him more than just holding on to Hines. What do you, what do you think of that trade, Matt? I like it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hines is a nice player. Like you said, it's probably Jonathan Taylor's backfield. Uh, and you get to, you, 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 you do that thing we talked about earlier where you're pivoting from running back to, to a wide receiver position, uh, where in rebuild, you're going to want those guys over the running backs, especially when the, you know, he's not, he's certain, uh, he, Hines certainly not old, but he's been in the league for a few years now. And, uh, you know, if, if you're rebuilding by the time you get back to being competitive, then he's an older running back. And since he's a receiving back, he's going to have a little bit more, uh, longevity mm-hmm. to his career, but you might as well move into two receivers, uh, that could have uh, a lot more upside, I think, than Hines. And uh, any other thoughts, Bill? And then, then maybe we can move on to yours. Yeah, um, I mean, I was looking at uh, like the court or running back rankings, and I saw Tariq Cohen was like 14th overall in accumulated points in PPR or something like that. Kind of blew my mind. Or, Hines? Tariq Cohen. Yeah, you were throwing. <laughs> Naheem Hines. I was because I was gonna go and like equate him to Tariq Cohen because you know Cohen did that where he was like uh, the the RB12 or something like that one year. And I think he's just going to fall along just kind of like what Tariq did. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm completely fine moving him because you're not going to get any more than you are right now for Naheem Hines. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that trade. And you're getting, you know, I agree with Matt about the, you know, pivoting to the wide receivers. I think that last point you made there that I didn't really make is good, too, that, the, you know, this might be his peak value. Uh, you know, with especially with Philip Rivers, there's a guy who likes to dump off to the running back. May not be starting next year. Um, he's had some big games. Uh, we could expect to see Taylor take over more again as the season progresses, and especially into 2021. Uh, but why don't you get into yours, uh, Bill, for this guy? Yeah, so I, I was kind of going through his roster, and like you said, he's kind of made a bunch of moves already. It looks like, and most of his players are um, kind of young, and you know set up setting him up for a, a good you know rebuild slash reload or whatever you want to call it so there was really only a couple guys that you know caught my eye to move and one of them was david johnson and he's the one that kind of like just you know there's there's been stories about him maybe getting more uh passing work i mean yeah we figure this out what in week 14 but you know it's just like this is the only time I think you're going to be able to move him and get anything. Um, you know, maybe there's some hope for somebody 
And so I'm not expecting a lot back. And I saw that um, the number one seed, uh, socially distant, um, he has Jacoby Myers as one of his starters. Um, we were just talking about Cam and, you know, I mean, what's Jacoby Myers going to do when Cam's thrown for an average of 100 yards a, a week? So uh, I was thinking maybe moving David Johnson, who is, you know, at least projected in that league to score, you know, double-digit points for uh, a guy that he has on the IR uh, in um, Paris Campbell. Um, I mean, Campbell showed that he was getting peppered with targets before he got hurt that first game. I mean, there's not a lot to, you know, <laughs> go off of, but at least there's some hope there, um, which you're not really going to have with David Johnson on your roster next year, I think. So, um, you know, tr I would say maybe try to get an additional pick on top of Paris Campbell, but if you have to do it straight up, I'm cool with that too. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, you, like you said, you're not I, you're not getting much, and we we don't know, you know, at this point, if Paris what Paris Campbell will be. But if if I David Johnson, for all we know, may not be in the league in 2021. So if you can get anything for him, uh, uh, I'm fine with that. And I do think it makes some sense for for a title contender who may have a. You know, especially in this league, that's all flex spots. He may have one of them that's not, you know, looking great. You, you can plug Johnson into your 10th spot there. That's uh, not a bad guy to have, especially with his receiving work. Uh, Matt, any thoughts before we get into yours? Can you hear no, me? No, I Matt? like that. I consider <laughs> David Johnson as well. I think he – can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think David Johnson definitely – I think David Johnson definitely needs to leave the roster – now yeah. <laughs> basically so i like that uh, I, I like that a lot and i i included him i thought about including him in my trade too i just wasn't sure if uh i, I think that one is good i just didn't uh put him in mind because because it was already used so i wanted to add a little bit of different perspective right but yeah but yeah um, anything at this point for david johnson is almost good enough at this point i'm not even worried about the value and paris either. campbell yeah and paris campbell showed Show, showed enough, I think, to go ahead, ahead and make that move. He's just he's got to stay healthy, right? Yeah. So you want to you want to get into yours, and then we'll, we'll finish up here. Yeah, I went I went a little bit higher dollar than you guys did. Uh, yeah. I think looking at his roster, uh, I think looking at his roster, even if he gets to the point where he's competitive, I think he's going to be pulling his hair out on a weekly basis with his two court starting quarterbacks right right now, and, and Dan. Daniel Jones and and Baker Mayfield, like they, they, I think they definitely ruin your week for you. Uh, so I want to upgrade that position. And the teams that I looked at, uh, the one I looked at, the, the, the strongest was Wuhan Clan because his quarterbacks are ridiculous. He's got uh, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. Like I'm all about having multiple, uh, you know, more than two quarterbacks on my super flex teams. But when you have, have three that are that strong, I feel like you've, you're probably uh, deficient in some other areas. And from just from what I was looking at and on a quick once over, it seemed like Wuhan clan, uh, you know, has, has, has a very strong team, obviously, especially the top of quarterbacks. Uh, but is, 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 I think is lacking a starter or two to feel really, uh, really confident with this team and be truly dominant. So for, from that perspective, uh, uh, he has those three quarterbacks. He probably wants to keep three quarterbacks. So I think if it, it, most of the time in Superflex League, if you're not sending a quarterback with your quarterback included in your offer when you're trying to upgrade or whatever with quarterback, it's often 
difficult to get that done. So in that case, I would be looking to move either Daniel Jones or Baker Mayfield. I don't care which one, whichever one he wants to have of this quarterback three. And then Mike Evans, I think, is the most valuable piece on his team. Uh, so I think he's got to go if we're going to do a true true rebuild. Um, and then the third piece I want to send is Noah Fant. I think we could throw uh, D- David Johnson there too, just to put it over the top if that does it for him to add, add a little bit more depth. Um, but I didn't put him in, in the offer. I think you could throw him in there. Noah Fant, uh, I would I would send. I know he's a young player. I know he's a good piece for a rebuild, but this particularly doesn't require you to start a ton. And even with that 1.75 type uh, uh, per reception, uh, I don't think it's enough over the court over the wide receivers the, with the receivers wide receivers getting a, an extra quarter point. Yeah. So I don't think you necessarily need to start a tight end. Um, and I wrote an article earlier this year on Noah Fant uh, uh, that it's going to be very difficult to, for him to ever break into the top top six tight ends on a on a score on a yearly basis. I know he had some success earlier this year, but the, from the research I did over the last five five seasons, uh, no tight end that hasn't been the number one or number two target on their team has been able to break into the top six, except for uh, Austin Hooper, who did it uh, twice, I believe. Uh, uh, so. Uh, very difficult for for fan to get there. If everybody is healthy on that team with Judy and Sutton, he's going to be the number three option at best, I believe, uh, once they have a reasonable quarterback in there. So I just don't think he's a necessity. So if I can send those three guys and maybe throw David Johnson on on top if you want to for one of those two quarterbacks, again, I don't care. He's probably not going to trade Patrick Mahomes, but if I can get Justin Herbert or Josh Allen to kind of uh, kind of anchor my quarterback position, and then you have either Daniel Jones or Baker as your quarterback too, it's, it's fine. If he, if he uh, has a stinker one week, he's not going to kill you with one of those other guys in there. Uh, and then uh, I think honestly, if I think honestly, I might do. I know it sounds like a lot, but I might honestly do that kind of deal for just that quarterback uh, if I had to. But uh, just to kind of even it up a little bit, I, I added uh, uh, Chenault, who we just talked about, or Mike Williams. Again, either one of those guys. If you get Mike Williams, you're pairing him up with Herbert, so you get a little bit of that that stacking uh, option that we like to do sometimes in Dynasty. Uh, Mike Williams uh, has one more year on his contract, I believe. They picked, they picked up his fifth year, so he'll be back with the Chargers again next year. Uh, still relatively young. We've seen Herbert have a beautiful deep ball in if those two can can work on their chemistry and 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 get that going, I think that could be really special, especially as Keenan Allen is is getting a little bit up there in, in age. So uh, if I can send Evans and Daniel Jones or Baker plus Fant for one of those quarterbacks and get a, a, another young receiver back, I really like that because it solidifies your quarterback position uh, and uh, gives you another young piece uh, that you can work with. Yeah, and this is a, a real interesting trade as far as I'm concerned, especially. Uh, We've I've already I, I allude to it almost every episode and we did earlier about how I don't like to pay up for quarterbacks. But uh, the one time I, I, I am more willing to do it is when I am in a rebuild. And if I'm contending, I love the idea of trading down from from quarter, you know, high end quarterback uh, to pick up something else. So it's kind of uh, this is you, you like uh, whether you did it intentionally or not. We're right in my lane with this one. So uh, I like this a lot. I think the value works out pretty well. You do have to go up a ton for Herbert or Allen, I think at this point, uh, especially Herbert, uh, I think is even rated higher than by most people than Allen in terms of value. So, uh, I, I, but I'm sorry. Were you going to say something, Matt? No, no, I was just saying, I, I just think that even if you get to a spot yeah, I think that when you if you get to a spot where your team is competitive with this current squad that uh, Eric has here, then you're you're going to be struggling at quarterback. So I think if in a rebuild situation like this, if you address that position first, the wide the quarterback position is going to be to have the most longevity of any position, even wide receiver. So if you if you lock that down and get all the other productive players off of your roster at, at the other positions, then you're still going to be in position to have those top picks 
uh, for the next year or two uh, and still have your have your quarterback in place, which is the most difficult one. And if he has, uh, I, I don't know what, what picks he has next year, but uh, he's not in the playoffs. So if he has one of those top end picks and he makes a move like this for for Herbert and Allen and then has Jones or Baker as his quarterback to, you know, for the immediate future, he's going to have Lawrence or Fields or somebody like that. So then all of a sudden you have three quarterbacks and that, and that position is locked down and you don't got to worry about it anymore. Uh, uh, so it, it, making that move allows you a lot of flexibility, I think. Yeah, and he does. Uh, he actually has three first round picks, um, one of which so looks like his own. Well, and one of them is his own. One of those top quarterbacks. Like a, yeah. And yeah, he might so, even just be so able to do it with his like pick a, he has already. <laughs> yeah, so then you back just... into three three great quarterbacks, you know. You back into two great quarterbacks and a fine backup, so. Yeah. So, I like that one a lot. Yeah, you you on board, Bill? Yeah, I really like that trade actually. That's like that's kind of what you need to do. You know, sometimes you make those passive trades like what Rock and I did, but I really like the aggressive nature of just like paying up for, you know, something that it's a safe trade. And, and it's ideal, you know, you're adding one of the most important or the most important position and they're young players. And, and, you know, I was going to say what Matt actually said, where I'd just do it for the quarterback, to be honest with you. If it, you know, if it came down to that being the deal breaker that the guy didn't want to give up Chenault on top of that, you know, just to make that move, because what else, like really the only player of note is Fant. Like, at least according to the market and what people might envision him as. But, you know, as Matt said, like, you know, especially with that Hooper stat, like, the difference is also just the volume where Hooper, you know, was playing with a team who passes the ball a ton, and that's not where Fant is. You know, they're not throwing the ball at that level. So to be able to see Fant end up being top six tight end, you know, year in, year out, you know that's probably doubtful. So I really, I really like that trade. I think that was a great one. And even if uh, Fant is, you know, what everybody thinks he's going to be, and does break into the top six, as Matt pointed out, you do have the premium, but you don't even need to start one. So that that lessens his value right off the bat. When you don't, part of what makes tight ends so valuable, good or, or in the middle or wherever, is that, that you have to start one of them. So uh, the better they are, the the that just exponentially increases their value because you have to fill that spot in the lineup where you don't have to do that here. Um, and, and, and then the other good point just I really put was a at- quick- I was going to say, just to, just to put a quick finer point on that, that the fan stat, uh, I pulled up the article. So out of, for the last four seasons out of 24 opportunities, because we're talking about top six tight end, because, you know, the back end tight ends, tight end ones or whatever, you score a touchdown in a week and you're a tight end one, right? So uh, out of the 24 total opportunities to finish as a top six tight end over the last four seasons, 67% of them or 16 of them led their team in targets percent or seven of them were, were second on their team in targets and just four percent just one of them austin hooper were outside of the top two in targets on their team so it just doesn't feel like play for fan yeah and that's really interesting too because yeah i i had never i hadn't seen the article so that's a really interesting tidbit there um on fan because he's definitely valued very very highly at this point i think so um that's a lot of good trades there. Uh, I, I I didn't have a problem with any of them this week. Very good. So that finishes up. Find me a trade. 
So we'll finish up our business here and let you guys go after this uh, almost hour and a half of a podcast here. So um, I just want to thank again, uh, Bill, for coming on. Uh, Bill at SuperDupaFlex. Bill, thank you. Uh, and but do you want to just promote your million other podcasts before I, I, I give Matt the chance to do that as well? Uh, sure. Yeah. Catch me on Superflex Super Show, Super Flexible, Super Flexperts, you know, all the podcasts of Superflex City, uh, and then Fantasy Timeline um, with my buddy Josh Valentine uh, at Super Dupaflex. Yep. And then you should definitely be listening to all of those. Um, and Matt, um, as I alluded to at the beginning, I wanted to give you a chance to just uh, give all the places where people can listen to and, and read you and find you. So you want to go over that now? Yeah. So you can find me at the uh, everything over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I'm on the DLF Dynasty podcast with Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. We, we do every week, uh, right? In season, we've been doing a little bit of like the most important thing from each game. But in the off season, we get into more more dynasty focused topics. So check that out. If you're into games uh, of any kind, check out Dynasty Game Night with John Bosch and Russ Outhouse Fisher. And uh, I think that's really it for podcasts. I used to do Superflex with Bobby. That show is kind of dead. Bobby's got more important things to do than hang out with me on a, on a <laughs> in the evening now. So uh, yeah, exactly. Thumbs down, right, Bobby? Real life. Come on, get over it. Um, and then uh, I, I still sort of write over DLF, but I do a lot less writing now that now that I do more podcasting because that, that podcasting honestly is the worst thing for a writer because when you podcast it makes you a little bit lazy at least it did, does for me uh, like I'm much rather to talk about football show up and talk about it than sit down for a few hours and, and, and punch one out on a keyboard so uh, I still do a little bit of writing over there but all of my work can be found over at DLF and you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Price FF thanks for having me on guys it was a blast yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Matt. And uh, hopefully uh, I may be seeing you again soon. Uh, I yeah. think I may be doing a Dynasty game night with you guys again. So yeah. welcome forward to that. <laughs> and uh, I'll just finish up with our stuff here. Uh, as Again, I'm at Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter. You can follow the pod at Dynasty Junkies. Make sure you're following the DAP network at DAP underscore network. Uh, give a, a subscribe, rate, and review to both the pod and to the DAP network. Uh, you won't regret it. And uh, if you like what you've heard, please take time to subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate it. Uh, and I think that will do it for this week. And we'll be back after week 14. Junkies out.